Welcome to Beneath the Wing. Just like air passing over the wing of an aircraft provides lift, the people we meet can also give us lift in life by sharing their stories of strength and success, connecting us all. Beneath the Wing explores the stories of those connected with the Minnesota Air National Guard's 133rd Airlift Wing with a little humor and learning along the way. I'm your host, Wing Command Chief Mark Legfold. Joining me today on Beneath the Wing is Tech Sergeant Heather Booten. She is in our small air terminal here at the base, and we'll find out a little bit about what they do at the small air terminal in just a little while. Originally from Maine, she went to college in Massachusetts, tech school in Mississippi, and now lives in Minnesota. So uh, welcome, Heather. Thank you, sir. What do you have against Montana? Nothing. <laughs> Are you, are, you, are you planning on hitting up all the M states? I've or, thought about it, but no, probably not. All right. Well, glad to have you on Beneath the Wing this week. It's uh, kind of an exciting time around here. You are an extraordinarily busy person, and given just a little bit of touch on your bio, you've moved around a lot. Yes. So what what's the best place to live so far? Where I am in Minnesota. Yeah? Why? Because of the people and my job and the environment, um, for young people, there was a lot more to do that was way closer here than where I'm from in Maine. So that was some of the bigger draws for me. So the social life in Minnesota is yes. pretty hopping. Yes, it Especially is. these days with COVID going on. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Um, for a young person, and, and I'm using young because you're younger than I am, um, and I got to know you about five years ago or so when we were standing post and security forces together. So yeah. even younger then, you've moved around a lot and that sometimes takes, there's a lot of anxiety with that. What got you comfortable moving around so much? Well, I think the biggest leap of moving from my home state to halfway across the United States was probably the most anxiety that I could have had. So anything after that has been cake. Um, but for me, Networking was a huge part of my former civilian job, mm -hmm. and so for me to do it here on the base, starting in security forces as an augmentee was a good door opener for me. And then from there, when I moved from my admin job with public affairs over to LRS being in the air transportation function is now what we are. Logistics readiness squadron, right? Yes. Um, when I moved over to there, I was able to do some other part-time jobs around the base, which further helped me network and then land the current job that I have. Yeah, so getting to know people is important, right? Yes, it But is. the guard didn't bring you here. It was a civilian job, is that right? Yes, correct. Okay, so what were you doing when you showed up in Minnesota? So I was working in professional sports. I graduated um, from Springfield College with a bachelor's in sports management, and I was originally working for the minor league basketball team in Maine the Boston Celtics and after working there my former boss moved out here and worked for the Timberwolves and then he helped bridge the gap for me to come out as well. Is that an exciting job? Yes. I can was. imagine you met a bunch of fun people. Yeah it was at first. Um, there was a lot of fun opportunities that it gave me access to like meeting players and going to certain events like I was here for the return of Kevin Garnett and um, Kobe Bryant reaching his point record and everything like that. So those are some really cool, cool opportunities. But as far as the job itself, it ended up not working out for me, which is totally great because I'm here now and I think this is the perfect fit. And um, Heather, you're a full-time employee out here at our little base. Um, 
right? Yes, correct. And loving every day? Yes, I do. And what makes you love every day out here? Uh, for my job specifically, every day is different. And there's a combination of both physical work and office work, which I think helps change up the pace and keeps it interesting. And this is a job that people have stayed in for 20 years because there's so much to learn and there's always something to gain. Whereas maybe other jobs, there's a certain cap for that and then you move around. So for here, this may be my final move. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Not sure. All right. Planning on sticking, sticking with us for another at least nine years, right? Yes. Okay. God willing. Yeah, indeed. Um, so work in public affairs, public relations for the Timberwolves. Um, and now working out here, putting on a camouflage uniform every day and working with some good, fun, exciting people out here. Did your previous career, did your previous job help you or does it help you every day in what you do? I would say partially. There was a lot of customer service and networking involved in the professional sports industry. And I think the customer service and networking definitely relays into the military. I mean, I worked a handful of part-time jobs at the base in a full-time manner before I landed my current job and being able to network and meet people, I think definitely led me to where I am. So I would say, yeah, okay. absolutely. You're, you're an extrovert then. Yes, All right. I am. <laughs> um, so as an extrovert, I imagine there's certain things in your life that are kind of challenging and somebody shared with me that uh, the only time they've ever seen you sit still was when you recently got off quarantine because of, of a COVID exposure, right? Mm -hmm. How'd that go for you? What did you learn about yourself when you were stuck? I learned how important my friends and my social network is to me as an extrovert. Um, How'd you stay connected then? FaceTime and everything that we can do to stay connected uh, through our phones was huge. And I FaceTimed my sister for probably five hours a day, almost every day, which kept me sane. Mm -hmm. So that helped. I think it helped me like build more onto the relationships I already had because we all had more time, which was great. And I had more time to spend at home, which I tried to focus on because I'm deploying next year. So I tried to just stay positive with the things that I had access to. But it definitely was really challenging being an extrovert. Yeah. Same same four walls staring at you every day, yes. huh? Yep. And in my apartment, it did get old. Right. And I was by myself because my boyfriend was at boot camp at the time. So I was. it was me and the cats. And yeah. that was it. Oh, how many cats? Just two. And two, two cats, one boyfriend. Yep. All right. Is that enough? We'll see. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe one more cat, right? Uh, hopefully two dogs post-deployment. Oh, all right. Yeah. Good for you. What kind of dog? I want to rescue one from a shelter, but we have talked about getting a lab. I grew up with labs too. Yeah. So. All right. I, I grew up with uh, retrievers. So, you know, once you find one that you really like, you have a tendency of wanting to stick with that, that yeah. breed, right? Yes. For sure. But at least you had some good company, right? Yes, Were I did. Were the cats sympathetic? <laughs> um, I don't know, but they definitely kept me entertained every once in a while. Great. Good. Got to have something and five hours on the FaceTime. Mm -hmm. So knowing you're an active person and struggling through COVID is, is, or quarantine, um, that's got to be a challenge. But up to that point and now afterwards, uh, I know that you are an active person that sets goals, stays organized. 
what do you do to stay organized when it comes to setting good goals? First off, what do you do to set good goals? Mm -hmm. um, and then how do you stay organized with that? So one thing that I am going to try and do moving forward that I got from a friend is she would set a number of goals based off of her age in different categories. So personal, professional, community, um, exercise, things like that. So I did the same thing for this year and I've tried to check in on it based on the category and see how I can accomplish it. And then when in quarantine, I just would always start with a to-do list for the day and that kept me pretty organized and on track to accomplish those goals. But I also have an accountability mirror, which I created after reading a good book by David Goggins. And that helps as well. Those are just a reminder I see every day. Explain to me what an accountability mirror is. Sure. So in his book, he, uh, You Can't Hurt Me, he talks about putting sticky notes with his daily reminders on them and literally putting it on a mirror that you look at every day. So you look at yourself and you look at the sticky notes and you read them out loud and it holds yourself accountable because you're talking to yourself about something you wrote and want to accomplish. So I do have those and so does my boyfriend for the different goals that we have. So I've had them for um, trying to pay off certain debts to um, read more and to finish NCOA. So it's kind of like putting your conscience up on your wall, on your mirror, and it reminds you all the time. Mm -hmm. How many sticky notes do you have up on your mirror right now? Three. All right. I would be worried with all the things that I have to remind myself to do that it would get in the way of seeing my hair each morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I think that's a pretty good skill, especially mm -hmm. if you, if you share a mirror with someone that doesn't mind the the extra reminders. Mm -hmm. Now suddenly you're sharing a mirror with someone that knows what your goals are. Yeah. Is is that hard? No, because they can hold me accountable as well. And there's nothing wrong with maybe prolonging that goal, but as long as you know what you set, and if it changes, that's fine too. Then you're both holding each other accountable. Do you mind sharing? A couple of your goals. I mean, you mentioned a finance, financial one, right? Yep. What yeah. else you got up there? Um, I want to read more. So I had a goal of reading one book a month, and I am two months behind. <laughs> um, so there's that. Sometimes I felt like I shouldn't be reading when I needed to be studying. I couldn't read leisurely if I wasn't going to read to pass my NCOA test. And then the other one is NCOA. Okay. So non-commissioned officer academy is your professional development to be a better airman, right? Yes. And everybody has to do some of this within their career. Do you think reading for pleasure helps you focus more on your studying or does it just completely take you away and you have to have to finish the book? I would say that leisure reading would probably take me away from my studying. So I, that's why I tend not to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And that's why I haven't in reading. <laughs> After this month, you can only be three months behind, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, so sometimes a good vacation and sitting down with a book is a, a great way of passing the time for sure. Um, other goals kind of uh, turn into lifestyle changes. And I know, you know, you're somebody that will dare yourself to do something that's pretty bold. Mm -hmm. What's the most bold thing you've done? Um, I would say maybe applying to work full-time and going to rigor school at the port because as it stands right now, I am the only female full-time member down there, but I'm also the only female rigor we have in our entire shop currently. Mm -hmm. So I 
feel like that's kind of bold for the base. Rigor is a different term. I'm not really used to it. So can you help explain that? Sure. So it's an army school where we learn how to pack uh, parachutes. Okay. Specifically here at our base, we have an airdrop mission where we practice drop cargo. And for us, we only go to the first part of the school, which is learning how to pack cargo parachutes. Do you Have you ever packed a parachute for a person? No, that is the phase three of the school, and we don't do that. Okay. That takes a little bit more practice, right? Yes, it does. I'm sure. Would you ever pack your own parachute? If I had to, I would. Okay. Would you ever <laughs> pack my parachute? If I had to, I would. Okay. All right. I was hoping you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. We'll just do that for you. I, I would, uh, I'd probably feel relatively comfortable using a parachute of yours, but never jumping out of a plane. I'd use it to, to do something other than jump out of a plane. Um, is that something on your bucket list? Already done it. Really? Mm -hmm. Is that part of the school? No, no. That was for personal. <laughs> okay. Personals. What other things are on your bucket list? Um, well, a lot of them are on hold due to COVID, but most of them are travel related. All I right. really enjoy traveling. And last year, uh, my boyfriend and I traveled a lot. We went to six different national parks and one of them was on the West Coast. One of them was on the East Coast. And then we hit all the ones here in the Midwest. And your goal is to hit them all, hit them all mm -hmm. and then be to the toppest point in each state. Is yes. That right? The tallest peak in every state. So yeah. how many peaks have you been to? I think we've been to nine so far. And we hit a few actually this year while during COVID um, just because they were close enough, at least in the Midwest, to hit. So we did Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. That sounds like great adventures. Yeah. What's the tallest point in Iowa? Hawkeye Point. Hawkeye Point. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? How is it really spectacular or is it basically uh, on top of a corn plant? that's on top of a hill? Um, it was not on top of a hill. It was flat. <laughs> but the setup they have is really cool. They okay. all have, each peak so far has their own like unique characteristics. But that one they have sort of museum style oriented with like farm equipment and they have some really cool like mosaic style tile set up for it. So it was, it was pretty neat. Awesome. For okay. Iowa. Yeah, for Iowa it was pretty cool. Yeah. I have relatives in Iowa so yeah, I get it. Um, Okay, another bucket list thing that I learned about you is relating to health and fitness. Mm -hmm. And you did a fitness competition for two years? I did, yeah. Tell me about that. So personally, I've always been interested in fitness. I went to a very fitness-oriented college, and I played sports my entire life into college. Um, and then I noticed that while I was out here, I just hadn't really had a solid fitness goal. So I decided to try a fitness competition that I had seen friends on social media complete. So I wanted to do it myself. So I did my first bikini competition in 2018. And then I changed a few things and I tried again. And I ended up actually winning last year in November. So Good that was cool. You. Are you still doing it? No. Oh my gosh, no. It was done with that now, huh? Yep. Yep. It was good. So if I'm understanding this right, if you're competing in that uh, that uh that setting, it's just you on a stage. Yep. Would you rather jump out of an airplane or do that again? It would be faster and easier to jump out of an airplane <laughs> and a little bit cheaper, but it just depends on what you're interested in. The nutrition and 
food aspect, like information that I learned through that process was amazing. Mm -hmm. I still eat way healthier and cleaner now because of that. So I'm super thankful for that. But for me, the strictness you have to have with yourself of going to the gym every day was not something I was interested in. And so therefore for me, I don't really want to do these again. Mm -hmm. But if somebody else wants to do it, like I'm happy to pass on my information. I still know and cheer on a ton of other competitors. It's an individual sport, much like golf. Whereas, yes, you are competing with other people, but if you're not putting in the work, then you're not going to reap the benefits. Mm -hmm. Bikini competition. Mm -hmm. Just you up on a stage after preparing for almost a year, I'm sure, right? My, the first one was about four to six months. Yeah. So yeah, it can be. For some competitors, it can be an entire year to almost two years. That takes a lot of guts to get up there and do that. It was nerve-wracking for the yeah. first one, for sure, especially since it's all new territory and you don't know what you're doing. But afterwards, when you see yourself and the results, even if you didn't win anything, it's still something to be super proud of because I had to meal prep every day for six meals and I had to work out every day minus maybe one for rest a week. So it was definitely a lot of time and effort both in the gym and in the kitchen. Did that type of preparation and all that hard work make you more courageous to get up there and do that? I'm not sure. I feel like part of it, I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into until competition day. So ignorance made you co courageous? Probably. <laughs> totally okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But you got up there the second time. Yes. Yep. And then you knew what you were getting into. Mm -hmm. And did you feel more prepared for that one? I did. I had a different coach for the second one too, which definitely helped. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. And we ended up actually competing in the same show. So she is a professional competitor. She holds a professional title and that show is dual. So she actually competed in different levels at the same show. Awesome. Um, what, because we all have things that we're a little uh, insecure and nervous about. Um, and you've tackled some pretty big things. What would you tell someone when you wanted to encourage them to be more courageous? Just do it. Because even if you fail, the fact that you tried is huge. And I failed the first time. I did not win. And mm -hmm. I did not place the way that I thought and had hoped. And I was frustrated with that because myself and my friends and family that came to support me were just as bothered by it by me. Um, but the fact that I tried, like that was huge. I put in so much effort for it. So if you're scared about doing something, just do it. Like it, it's going to help you in the long run, I'm sure. Okay. We are talking with Heather Booten, tech sergeant in our small air terminal here at the 133rd airlift wing. And after our quick break, um, we're going to get into a couple more questions with her. Uh, so stick around. Hope you're enjoying my interview with Heather Booten. Joining me is Master Sergeant Rodney Gaddis. He is the recruiting flight chief, and he's going to talk a little bit about how our recruiters are overcoming the challenges they face during COVID. So how are they doing that? Well, Chief, we've had to adapt to the current operations with informational graphic aids. Um, the individuals aren't able to come out here in person, so we've had to really visualize um, what we do out here to that applicant. Um, through those those graphics, really understand what their goals and, and needs are so we can meet um, 
their future goals. Can everybody help? Yeah, certainly. You know, every wing member out here at the wing is a recruiter, essentially. By telling your story, all the good things that you've been able to benefit from and and do out here really helps set that tone um, for any applicant um, that you may suggest to come out this way. And if they have a young man or a young lady in their life that really wants to join the Guard and get a virtual tour of the different jobs they have, how do they get in touch with our recruiters? They can reach out to us at 612-713-2096. That's 612-713-2096. Sounds great. Thanks. Let's get back to Sergeant Booten. Thanks, Sergeant Gaddis, for that exciting message. Um, we've been talking with Tech Sergeant Heather Booten from, okay, when we were on break, she corrected me and told me I'm saying things wrong, which I totally get because I, I don't get everything. Not small air terminal. No, we are now the air transportation function. Thank you. So the air transportation function does the same function as small air terminal, but just a different name? Correct. And Why the, the aeroport and every other name. Uh, you guys are on your th third name since I've been here. Yeah, I don't know why they keep changing it, but oh. we're rolling with it. All right. Okay. I, I think it's just fine. I will get better at saying air transportation function. Thank you. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about your personal goals and what, you're, what you do personally in your off time. I know that you do a lot of work um, off base, not just on your own personal goals, but you also serve other people, right? Yes. What are some your some ways that you serve beyond your your time in uniform? I do like to donate, um, whether it's my belongings or my time uh, within the community. So we donate things to Goodwill or Salvation Army quite a bit. And actually, um, recently I've kept a couple blankets in my car because with the weather changing. If there's anybody that I see on the side of the road that's in need, instead of handing out money, I want to actually hand out a blanket. So I do have a couple of those in my car. That's a great idea. Yeah. A really great idea. And you're right, it is getting cold. We're, we're doing this interview uh, right before Drill Weekend in October, and we just got a whole bucket load of snow. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody's really happy with it quite yet, right? No. <laughs> we're not but, ready for fall to be over. For sure. I, What's the favorite season? Is it fall? I don't really have a favorite season, I would say. There's fun parts to all of them. Maybe more summer and fall, just because, personally, I don't have as many winter hobbies. So if I had more winter hobbies, I'd probably like winter a bit more. Yeah. Knowing one of your goals is to get to the tallest peak in every state, you could probably do the really, really southern states in the wintertime, and that would be yes. quite okay, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so it's also October, uh, Emotional Intelligence and Wellness Month. And we've talked a lot about your moving and uh, all the adventures that you've done in your life, the chances that you've taken, the courage that it gets to take, that it takes to get up on stage um, and show off all your hard work. Uh, does that make you more resilient, all that stuff that you've been through and, and accomplished? And what advice would you have for somebody that, again, struggles with the courage piece, but also maybe is struggling with other things right now with so much going on in the world? 
So I would say more so, well, a combination of the personal things that I've gone through and professional here on base have made me more resilient. But I've also always tapped into the resources that we have available because of serving. It's become a reflex for me now after 10 years. So anytime something stressful happens, whether it's financial or with mental health or something like that, I always go back on what do I have access with at my base or what do I have access with for free due to the military. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the biggest resources I would ever stress to anyone. If you're dealing with anything, talk to somebody here at base. There is always a resource. There's always something available. You are, you've moved very, very quickly because when I met you, Heather, you were uh, E4. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you are what we would consider a, uh, an upper level supervisor, right? Yes. Yep. Are you one of those resources for people that you work with, the folks that you supervise? I'd like to think so. If they have questions and I don't have the answer, then I will find the answer and help connect them. So I would definitely always offer my help if someone needs it, whether they're in my shop or not. I don't, I don't mind. If you need help, always ask. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Yeah. Have you gotten to be really good at giving help or listening? I would say both. Okay. There are some people that definitely just need you to listen, which I think with age, I have learned to do more of. Um, but there are definitely some people who... Maybe they're new to this environment in the military and they don't know all the things that they have access to. And so when I start sharing that or I highly recommend it, it's coming from a place of care and love. Like I know it's going to work because I've used it and mm-hmm. don't be afraid to utilize it as well. With all of your life experiences, I would think that uh, you would be a person worth listening to. I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So I got a couple quick questions. Um and when I, when I asked you if you wanted to be on the podcast, you said, oh, you have a podcast. And, and so now you've <laughs> listened to a couple of these. So hopefully yes. you've, you understand how this goes. I've got some quick fire questions. You're not supposed to think for super long. Um, but give me a quick answer. Mm-hmm. All right. And then we'll circle back on maybe a couple of these. Fire or ice? Fire. If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pasta. What are your two... Biggest pet peeves? Chewing loudly. Chewing loudly. And not using your turn signals. Not using turn signals. Favorite fast food chain? McDonald's. Really? I like their french fries. Everybody does. (laughs) What type of horror movie are you most scared of? All of them. I don't watch horror movies. And, and, And I learned this just rolling into this. What would you sing? What's your go-to karaoke song? Probably a lot of Shania Twain. It's a very easy one to go to. Seriously. So you shared with me that you did your first karaoke thing just this past year. Yes. Down in Georgia? Yes. What were you doing in Georgia? I was there for uh, another school. Um, So I was there for joint inspection school. And a friend and I, we hiked to Talos Peak in Georgia. And on our way back, we passed by this podunk little bar. And I was like, let's sing karaoke because I've never done it. And they were a very supportive crowd. So it couldn't have been a better place to do it for the first time. <laughs> nice. What did you sing? Shania Twain. What song? I think it was Man, I Feel Like a Woman. <laughs> I, I don't know that song. Can you sing a couple bars? Maybe another time. <laughs> no, I'm not going to sing it here on the podcast. 
We can sit in silence for the rest of the podcast. Oh, see, like. now you called my bluff on that one. Okay, that's all right. I actually am a huge Shania Twain fan, so I know that song almost by heart. It's not my go-to karaoke song, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, all right, so horror, horror movie, you're most scared of all of them. You're from Maine, mm-hmm. and I, I learned, doing a little research for this, that the proper term for somebody from Maine is a Mainer. Correct. Not a main Mainerer. No. Because <laughs> that just sounds dumb. So, another famous Mainer, Stephen That's King. That's the question? Okay. Yeah, yes. Stephen King. There are other people that are from Maine that are also famous, right? Yes, there are. Yep. You were anticipating me asking you a question about somebody from Maine. So you already knew I was going to talk to you about that. So Stephen King's from Maine. And I got this image in my mind of you and Stephen King, who he grew up on the coast and you were more interior Maine, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, In fact, there's not even a, there's kind of a cooperative of houses where you grew up, right? Yeah, we're we're a very small town. I think the population is like eleven hundred, and so, that may have changed in the last five years. So you grew up in the woods, almost. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Okay, so I I pictured you and Stephen King sitting out in the woods, and you two are drinking Moxie. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I can see that. <laughs> and a sharing a whoopie pie, because those are famous in Maine too. They are. Hmm. Uh, he's looking for a topic for his next book and asks you, with all of your experiences, Heather, what's something scary that I should write about? That's a good question. I don't know. Debt. That's pretty scary. Debt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I agree. Make something about debt. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so a horror film about debt. I mean... It's drowning in it. Yeah, sure. Pet Cemetery and Debt Cemetery. You could... Mm-hmm. Make that work, okay? <laughs> what does Moxie taste like? Because I don't drink soda, mm-hmm. and I don't know what Moxie tastes like, and we don't even have it here in Minnesota. Yeah, so. you'd have to order it online. Uh, have you done that? Um, yes, kind of. My parents ordered a main gift box for my boyfriend for Christmas last year, and you could pick what items you wanted in it, and so he picked Moxie. Seriously, yeah. I would have gone with maple syrup and blueberries, but I have a sweet tooth, and maybe a whoopie pie. Which is basically like a really big Oreo cookie, right? Kind of, yeah. So the outside layers are like a very soft chocolate cake. Sure. And then a thick cream filling, as you will. Nice. And what does Moxie taste like? I would say it tastes like a cola, but with a bad aftertaste. But that's just me personally. (laughs) There are a lot of people (laughs) who like it. Cola with a bad aftertaste. Yeah. All right. Well... There goes my sponsorship with Coke and Pepsi, so I guess we'll be all right. Moxie's it's really not big. The There's a place either. in Maine called Moxie. They have a Moxie Day parade, ice cream, candy. Like, it's big. It's big. What was the best part about growing up in Maine? Being by the ocean. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah? You can't really swim in it when, when you're up there because it's super cold, right? It Yes, it is very cold. You can swim in it. You just get numb, and then you forget how cold it is. <laughs> I, I have been to Maine once. It was for this job. Mm-hmm. And I brought home live lobsters. That's cool. Yeah. I walked onto the plane with this box of live lobsters. Did they know that? Uh, the, actually, the flight attendant, when I walked on, uh, asked me, okay, I'll, I'll share just a little bit. It's your show, but I'll share. I said, hey, what's in the box? 
and it was my anniversary, my mm -hmm. wedding anniversary. Um, and I said, lobsters for my wife for our anniversary. Mm -hmm. And she goes, why did you get her lobsters? Because we don't have them where we are. No, that wasn't my answer. <laughs> because crabs would be inappropriate. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> That's just between you and I. No one else is going to hear that joke. But uh, <laughs> Sounds good. She, the flight attendant uh, she had a good laugh that day. It was good. So... <laughs> All right. So we worked together on Post and Security Forces. Back, yes. back to you, Heather. Uh, what did you learn from that experience? Because, I mean, we geared up. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I am old. And um, wearing that gear kind of, it, it's hard on the body. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So what did you, you learn most from that experience? That the people can really make the job. Yeah. Because I'm at a ton of great folks within security forces and who work the civilian side of that um, for the base. And that's really helped me network here at the unit as well. But yeah, a really terrible job can be made so much better with really great people. Yeah, it is a tough job. Yeah, We had a lot of fun though. Not that security forces is terrible, it is not. I'm just saying any job that could be terrible can be made better with the good people. For sure, yep. And and uh, having good connections out here is mm -hmm. a big part of that. Um, so speaking of connections, this is a bigger, bigger question. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to air on the 2nd of November. Okay. The 3rd is election day. Yes. Politics is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard, hard to listen to the news these days um, and see where things are at. It's on a bunch of people's minds. Yeah. What do you think are some things that we can all agree on as Americans? When you wear the uniform, I defend the Constitution of the United States and the people here. So whether I agree with who sits in the White House, that doesn't matter. I'm here to protect them and everyone else. So at the end of the day, I would say hopefully that's where we all stand because there are definitely people here who do and don't support people who've sat there before. That's not the point. That's not why I rose. I raised my right hand. You know, So I, I am here to protect people. So broader, though, mm -hmm. what do you think we can all agree on as just plain old Americans? If I'm not a uniformed military person, um, what, what can we all agree on? This year's been difficult. It has, hasn't it? And there is no right answer. Mm -hmm. We just vote in the hopes that our vote is going to make a difference or be the right decision based on whatever our decisions are to make that choice. Yeah. So, yeah. You think there is an abundance of um, do you think there's an abundance of hope in 2020? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I feel like as a population, we've tried to focus on different positive things throughout the year. Sometimes it's more difficult. But I think a lot of us are looking towards the end and just trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Something magical is going to happen I on January so. <laughs> 1st of 2021, right? Yeah, I hope so. What do you hope in? What gives you hope, Heather? Opportunity for tomorrow because I have a lot of goals personally and professionally and I am assuming that I'm going to achieve them. So I'm always looking forward to the next day to be able to, to do so. Opportunity. Mm-hmm. Do you feel you're the only woman working in 
oh, here I'm going to get it wrong again because my brain is stuck on smaller terminal. The ATF. The ATF? Yep. Air, air transportation function. Yes. There it is. You're the only woman working there. Mm -hmm. Is that a function of opportunity? I and, think so. Okay. Who took the opportunity? Me. Oh. I did. There was a job open and available. I worked hard to learn the skills to be able to attain that job, and then it was offered, and I said yes. Okay. And I asked in our last podcast, um, I asked the question about are we, when it comes to opportunity, when it comes to diversity, when it comes to supporting the people that are working here in an inclusive environment, are we getting it right, do you think, from your perspective? Are we getting it right as a big organization? I would say so, and I think we're working towards that more so every day. There are more female pilots now than there ever were. I am the only female in my shop, but I'm blazing a trail for others if they want to follow behind. And I feel like a lot of our full-time force is probably female in many other shops. So I think, I think we're working towards it every day. Is, are the opportunities there and are they, are they easier to get than when you were? I mean, you've been in for 11 years now. Yeah. Is it easier now? I would say it's probably easier. I can't speak to what has actually like been available recently, but I mean, there shouldn't be a limit on what we can do. And now that there's more people in those jobs, hopefully more women and younger airmen feel that they're qualified or could potentially take that job. You mm -hmm. can do whatever you want. Like you can be a pilot, you can be a mechanic. It doesn't matter. Nothing's limited now. No. Just on paper, it's just a matter of Correct. are we making it a good place, a place where everybody can feel successful. Yeah. You think we're doing okay at that? I think so. Okay. What do we need to do better? I don't know. Maybe if there are females maybe at other bases that are holding certain roles that we have but they're not held by a female, maybe talk to them and have them be able to share their story, especially if they enjoy their job. Yeah. Go back and uh, connect a little and listen. Yeah, yeah, I think that would maybe help. Hope so. All right. So you've also corrected me on, speaking of listening, paying attention, and uh, you corrected me on the proper way of referring to where you work, which I appreciate, and that'll take some practice. But you also said, hey, I listened to this podcast, and you got the wrong hurricane there, guy. <laughs> Nice work. Um, so if you listen to the podcast with Jeff Fouts, I referred to the wrong doggone hurricane. You deployed on that mission too. I did, yeah. Y yeah. Tell me what you did when you went down to St. Thomas, Virgin Islands, and not on vacation. Yeah. So I was there as an aerial porter. So we moved a lot of cargo. So we drove forklifts and we downloaded pallets and pallets worth of cargo. Could have been food or water for the island and for the people there. There were a lot of vehicles as well. FEMA was a huge part of that movement. So we downloaded a lot of their safety vehicles, things of that nature. Actually, the day we arrived, we downloaded prisoners because they were moving them from one island to Explain another. Explain to me what downloading means. Because um, I, I think of a computer in front of me when I hear that. Sure. Download, so. so downloading to me as an aerial porter means you're out on the flight line at the aircraft, the tail is maybe down or the nose, depending on what it is. 
and you're actually offloading whatever the cargo is. So you could be driving vehicles, escorting prisoners, or lifting up cargo on a pallet off of the plane with a forklift. A lot of long days. Yes, we worked 12-hour shifts. 12-hour shifts. But it was great. Yeah. Great to be there to help support them. But it was a really great experience as far as my resume and just in general for the job. I learned to be a much better driver for the forklift for my job and learning how resilient you can be by living in a flight line, sleeping on a cot, eating MREs every day. Meals ready to eat, everybody's favorite, right? Yep. And just spending the time with the people in my unit too, those bonds and those memories will never go away. And that's something that helps within my unit too, as far as cohesion. For sure. And you were, if I'm, if I'm reading your resume right, you had been in the job for less than two years when you took off and went to that. Yes. And we, we sent a lot of our less experienced folks down there Mm -hmm. and everybody performed really, really well. Yeah. Did you guys bond as a group of kind of new folks real quickly because of that shared experience? I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for our group specifically at the port, we were really lucky that we were split almost 50-50 with newer members and very experienced aerial porters. Yeah. So they were able to guide us and we were able to follow their awesome lead. So it worked out really well. And then as far as the younger airmen, like, yeah, when you're sweating because it's 80% humidity. So it's about 110 degrees Fahrenheit. And, you know, as soon as you step out of the tent, you start sweating for the day. And then we have to deal with anything else that's complicated. When you are dealing with stressful things like that every day, it does bring you closer together. And then you can reminisce and laugh about it when you're not there anymore. For sure. And then, you know, tell somebody, hey, by the way, that was Irma and and, uh, Maria, not whatever hurricane I used. Katrina. Doggone it. All right. Well, hey, Heather, it has been great to sit and chat with you. Thank you for coming on Beneath the Wing with me. Thank you, Chief. I appreciate it. Learned a lot. And uh, I am uh, really, really thankful that we've got people like you blazing a trail, not just for females going into new and different jobs, but also as people that connect with other human beings, because I think we need that, not just here in uniform. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next time on Beneath the Wing, I will have another special guest that is connected to the 133rd Airlift Wing here in Minnesota. We'll learn a little bit more about them. In the meantime, make sure you go out and vote. 